Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them, and thanks for having me on. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows you. Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Hope you're doing well. Great guests lined up for you today. Someone who's joined me many times before, John Orand. He covers sports media for the Sports Business Journal. We'll talk about everything from The Last Dance to, hey, live sports is back. NASCAR, they had a race on Sunday. The return of golf, NBC had coverage on Sunday, this upcoming weekend, we've got the return of golf with Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning in a match that's going to be on TNT. And uh, what might it look back, like broadcasting with no fans? That's something we talked to John Smoltz about a few weeks ago, but we really dig into that. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good, and uh, got to be honest, I actually sat down on Sunday and watched like an hour and a half of NASCAR. I think that's the first time I've ever done it. It was uh, pretty fun. You know, it's interesting. One of the most interesting stats uh, that I saw is that viewers stuck around for an average of 113 minutes. So if they watched, they stuck around and watched. And, and I think people like you who, you know, don't post up usually in front of a NASCAR race, you were new to it, and, and I, that's very good news for NASCAR. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought Fox did a great job. They always cover it well. And uh, their their limited crew did a really good job. And, you know, they did a good job kind of detailing how it was different. The pit crews were different and uh, how the cars were different. And, yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And, you know, I realized once the race started, I didn't really notice there was no fans. I was more watching the cars. Um, I like the golf. And it's funny because it was just like eavesdropping on a foursome, you know, some random dudes. And they carried their bag. They drove their cart like they didn't have caddies. It was really, you know, they wore shorts. It was very down to earth. But uh, I like the golf coverage and probably watched a little bit more golf than I did NASCAR. And then, of course, Griggs, I watched the end of The Last Dance, the last two episodes. And just so well done. Like I tweeted out, give them all the awards. Like they just did a great job. And, you know, people can nitpick and say Michael Jordan and his team had creative control and it made him look good and blah, 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 blah. But I thought it was really entertaining. The footage they had was fantastic. Um, the foresight that Adam Silver, back when he was with NBA Entertainment, and Michael Jordan had to capture that footage from that season was just really amazing. And then I just love the little stories. Like I love learning about his relationship with his security guards. Um, you know, some of the backstories. Carl Malone going on the bus. You know, after they lost in the finals to congratulate everyone, the uh, the little exchange with Jordan and Larry Bird after the Bulls eliminated the Pacers, there was just some really, really golden video there and sound that, uh, you know, I thought that was what made the doc. 
Yeah, I agree. And it was just, it was a great, uh, 10 episodes. I mean, I, I wish there was more because there's just so much, so much stuff to soak up. And like you said, I love all the behind the scenes stories and things you never hear from anybody else. You get to see these videos. I loved his, like you said, his interaction, the games he's playing with the security guards back in the locker room. I love that. And that, he just got to learn so much more about Jordan and the sport of basketball. So overall, they killed it. The other thing is Twitter was on fire during the last dance. So they had the last dance hashtag and over a million tweets about the last dance over the course of the 10 episodes. And then there's a account that's popped up. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't promote Twitter accounts a lot, but there's one account. It's called at Jordan jamming and it's Michael Jordan jamming out. Remember the scene when he's in the back of the bus, he's got his headphones on, he's bobbing his head and, you know, listening to music. Well, the at Jordan jamming account has like created all these different songs that supposedly he's jamming out to. And it's really funny. If you haven't seen it, go to at Jordan jamming. Obviously, uh, they're not a sponsor, but I just thought it was a creative account. And, uh, you know, I find myself watching it several times a day, figuring out which is the best song that he looks like he might be jamming out to. Yeah, that's, that's funny. I love how, again, the world is creative and we've seen that so much since COVID and you're right with Twitter. It was on fire on Sunday, especially just the last dance and all kinds of memes and just talking back and forth with people and fans. So I agree. Fun to watch Twitter and Jordan Jammin is always a classic. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. It's Tiger and Peyton versus Phil and Tom. Who do you have this weekend? Well, I think uh, I'll stick with my original and uh, Tiger's crew is going to win it. Yeah, they're like minus 210 betting favorite. So, you know, that's the other thing is there's going to be bets on that. And yeah, I, I, I'd have to go with Tiger and Peyton too. Uh, I think Peyton, I've never seen Peyton and Tom play, but from everything I've heard, Peyton is a substantially better golfer than Tom, even though Tom's good, but Peyton's really good. Um, and then, you know, Tiger lost to Phil last time. So I think he's got a little, uh, little something for Phil this time around, but, uh, it's going to be entertaining. You're going to watch, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for golf big time and we've missed some of the majors and the masters and all that. So yeah, bring me some fresh golf. I am there. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Coming up next, John Oran covers sports media for the sports business journal. We'll talk about the last dance, the return of sports with NASCAR and golf, how are the Olympics going to impact NBC now that we know that they're not happening this year? And then media rights agreements. How are those impacted by the pandemic? The NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer. How are those media rights agreements being impacted right now? We'll talk about that with John Oran coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Finding the right freelancers who you can trust is a critical component for many businesses, especially small businesses like mine. It can be time-consuming, frustrating, and expensive. Where do you go to find the right talent? How much will it cost? How can you be certain that they'll deliver? Thanks to Fiverr, finding the right freelancer doesn't have to be a struggle. As the founder and CEO of Sports Business Radio and the Sports PR Summit, I hire freelancers exclusively. Whether you're launching your first business, scaling your current business, or in need of extra support to complete a project, Fiverr is here to help you evolve, adapt, and grow. Fiverr connects businesses like mine with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, film editing, photography, podcast editing, and more. Without the ability to be in person, the digital services marketplace has never been more important than it is right now. Sellers from Fiverr have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world. 
I love the fact that I can search by service, deadline, price, and reviews. I know exactly what I'm paying for up front, no negotiating needed, and I am getting a freelancer that I can trust to get the job done. That's critical for me. Take five and check out Fiverr.com. You'll receive 10% off your first order by using my code SBR. It's so easy. Don't waste any more time. Get the service you deserve by going to Fiverr.com. That's F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code SBR. Fiverr, it starts here. My guest is a friend of the show. He's joined us many times before. John Oran, he covers sports media for the Sports Business Journal. You can find him on Twitter at Oran underscore SBJ, really my go-to resource for sports media coverage. John, how are you? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. I was thinking this morning, uh, boy, a lot has changed since you came on in early March. We were talking about Tony Romo signing with CBS and you know, what would happen if the Olympics postponed to NBC and, you know, what, eight weeks later, the world is a very different place. Yeah, it's just incredible. And, and uh, you know, just last weekend, there was, you know, NASCAR finally had an, a race with no fans. The PGA Tour had a skins game with, uh, with no fans and all of the networks and all of the business, whereas like, all eyes were on those two events, the UFC as well just to see how these leagues were, were, were going to move forward with events where there, there were no fans. And it was, uh, I, I thought both Fox and NBC did, did, did a pretty nice job with it, but it, it was very, very different. Yeah, let's dig into this for a minute. So NASCAR's return to racing on Fox Sports, 6.32 million viewers. Viewers stuck around for an average of 113 minutes I would imagine there were a lot of new viewers, people who may not have watched NASCAR before, because like you said, it and golf are really the only fresh content that were on TV on Sunday. It was the most watched non-Daytona NASCAR Cup Series event since 2017. I like the drones and, and, you know, they did some different creative things, but you know, John, I guess I underestimated the impact of fans and the crowd at both golf and NASCAR. It really, you have to up your game on the broadcast without fans there. Yeah, and both golf, uh, the, those productions don't really rely on the fans so much. You, you get used to a certain amount of silence. You have announcers that basically whisper sometimes. Right. You know, and for the for NASCAR, much of the audio is around the sound of the engines and the sound of the cars going around the track. And in fact, Fox has a, uh, a part of every race where they just, the announcers stay quiet and they just listen to the, the, the cars as they go around. So these were the two sports that were completely, uh, these were two sports where you really didn't need that, 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 uh, the cheering fans. Imagine a touchdown to win the game in the last minute to utter silence. Yeah. Or imagine a grand slam home run. To, you know, to, to only uh, some cheering in, in, in the dugout. Uh, I mean, that is, that's where the lack of fans really is going to impact the, uh, the telecast, I think. Yeah, I had John Smoltz on a few weeks ago and asked him, you know, what's it going to be like calling a game if there's no fans in the stands? And, you know, he just thought it would be odd. And, you know, there's nothing that can be done, and it's obviously the right decision right now, but it is a big element of the telecast that, you know, I think people like me underestimated. 
Yeah, and in fact, I was talking to, to Jim Palmer, who did, did the game back in, I think it was 2015, the, where, where there were no fans in Camden Yards for right. the Orioles-White Sox game. And he said that he actually had to speak softer because everybody on the field could hear him. Huh. And uh, Gary Thorne, who was a play-by-play, everybody heard his play-by-play in, in both dugouts. So, so you almost need to speak louder for the at-home fans and get more excited. But then you're almost impacting the, the play on the field as an announcer in, in a certain way. So it's a, it is a weird dichotomy there. That's a really good point. Were there other parts of the uh, NASCAR or the golf broadcast that stood out to you? Um, yeah, you know what? I thought the drone, uh, the drone things that they had, the cameras that they had were really cool. I thought they added sort of like a, a, a cinematic flair that I'd never seen before. I, at the, at the start of the race, they had a, a drone just coming up the, the racetrack over the cars. And at the end of the race, they had a drone that was circling the, the winner. It's Kevin Harvick, the, the, you know, the, that was, uh, that just added a certain element that I've never seen before. And, you know, in normal times, they, they, uh, Fox started using drones a little bit more, but with the crowd, they didn't want to uh, fly over a crowd. There, there were a lot of heavy restrictions about where they could put the drone. So this, this gave them a lot more freedom to, to get out there and, and, uh, and, and do stuff like that. I thought that, that was pretty cool. And for the, uh, for the PGA, just really being a, and, and this wasn't an, an actual PGA event. But being able to hear the interplay, but all, all the golfers were, were mic'd up. Mm-hmm. They were all chatting. Uh, I thought it was cool. They were playing shorts and carrying their own bags. It was like it was actually like uh, having a window into a, for, a regular Saturday foursome right. uh, for me. And I just thought that was, you know, all of the networks are looking at different ways to produce. And one of the one of the ways is with audio, and they're trying to figure out what to do with that. Get closer to the game. And and it's uh it's just trying to you know add a different window for the viewer there, and I think both both uh, telecast did that in a pretty nice way. The other thing that really stood out to me, I'm a person who looks at the optics of things, and you know both sports, golf and NASCAR, made a real effort with the social distancing thing. You know whether it was the golfers, like you said, carrying their own bag, driving their own cart. If interviews were being conducted, it was being done you know, six feet away or there was a, you know, a long boom mic hanging down. It it seemed like everyone was really making a point to show that, you know, we're social distancing here. Yeah, I was really struck by the fact that during the NASCAR race, just about everybody who was on camera uh, was wearing a mask, which uh, which, Mm -hmm. which surprised me. I don't know why it surprised me, but it did surprise me. And there was was one moment, I forget who the, the golf course reporter was, but he was going up to, to interview, I think it was Dustin Johnson, and he got too close. And uh, he, he didn't adhere to the social distancing. And as a viewer, that sort of almost made me recoil. I mean, I think it only happened once, and it was clearly a mistake. Uh, but but it was like, uh, you know, it, just having lived for the past two and a half months with, uh, you know, sheltered in place with social distancing, it's, uh, that, 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 that was something that, as a viewer, really struck me. Yeah. So NBA, college football, NFL, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, they're all, you know, figuring out if they're going to come back and if they are, what does that look like? If I said you're director of that coverage, what are some things that you would want to try, you know, knowing that there's probably going to be no fans in attendance? Uh, so you have to sort of take advantage of the fact that there are no fans in attendance. 
And so you have to, um, you know, uh, let's use basketball as, as an example. Nobody's paying five to ten thousand dollars for a courtside seat. So you can you can have a camera down on the ba- uh, on on the baseline on the sideline, like at, at, at center court. I think you're still going to have that sort of upper mid court uh, level camera because that's how uh, uh, fans that's how fans are used to watching games on television. But you can you can really just kind of you know get really different, unique. There's a reason why people pay that much money to be that close to play. Right. I mean, I think it'd be really cool to get a camera there. Uh, and the the other thing to look at is, is for audio. I, I I mean, I think that you can see um, more people getting mic'd up. I think that you can get boom mics by by benches. I think that you know you're, you're going to be able to hear. Uh, I, I think one of the things that the networks learned from the XFL is you know just when you hear the when you heard the coach call the plays to the quarterback, even though it sounded like Greek sometimes. It was just a cool element, I thought. And I think that uh, networks have learned from that. And this is an area where there's not not a lot of crowd noise, not a lot of ambient noise. And so it's an area where they're really going to try to to make that work um, as part of the broadcast. Yeah, access, access, access. I think people want more of it. Speaking of which, going back to golf, we've got the Tiger, Phil, Tom, Peyton match this Sunday. I'm hoping all of those guys are mic'd up and, and they're all pretty funny and I'm sure there's going to be some trash talk. Wouldn't you anticipate that's kind of going to be the, the deal where there's going to be a lot of access to those guys? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, the, uh, Turner two years ago had the Tiger versus Phil over Thanksgiving Day weekend. And, and so they've already, that, uh, last weekend was the first time that NBC or the PGA Tour has broadcast a skins game. Uh, like that, right? You know, Turner's already done it, so they, they they've already figured out how to get these get these uh, golfers to engage. I, I think they're going to have. Uh, I saw Charles Barkley's going to be uh, part of the. Yeah, that's going to be funny. I think so, and I think that you're going to see a lot. And, and you know, having just having Brady and Manning there is, is going to you know help the interplay between them. I think that's a. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. I think that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so too. All right, the last dance. The Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary uh, finished with an average of 5.6 million viewers, the most viewed documentary content ever on ESPN. Give me your overall thoughts. Um, wow, I mean, what a home run! I mean, it, it, it was engaging. It kept it kept uh, the thing. The thing that I'm looking at is it kept the audience from the first episode to the tenth episode, and so there were variations where, where you know the. Uh, the ratings went up or down, but basically it didn't lose the audience. So it, it was a subject matter and it was a story that, that worked and resonated for, for, for a lot of people. It was, uh, the, uh, highest rated, most watched sports documentary of all time by far. I don't think, I, I think, uh, the Bo Jackson one was a, was a distant number, number two, although now it's, a, I guess, a number 11. And it was, I, I it was, a you know, with, with no other sports on, uh, and with people sort of dying to, to have some sort of, I'm not, I'm not sure if people are dying for sports so much, but they're dying for sort of a, a live communal experience. Mm-hmm. And just kind of like on Sunday night, I would sit down, I would fire up Twitter, it would be like watching a game almost, and I would uh, I would laugh at some comments. Other uh, some comments would be uh, would, would be I would find interesting, and I just think that that all of that played in and, and worked well in this case. 
You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everyone. I'm thrilled to tell you about a new Sports Business Radio partner who's going to help you and whose products have been life-changing for me and my family. CBDMD is now the official CBD partner of Sports Business Radio. Many people use CBD products as a regular part of their health and wellness routines, but only the best use superior products from CBDMD. CBDMD has a wide variety of CBD oil products ranging from classic CBD oil tinctures to topicals, gummies, heck, they even have CBD for your pets. From NFL veterans like Nate Burleson and future Hall of Famer Steve Smith Sr. to two-time Masters champion Bubba Watson, CBDMD is tested and trusted by people who know pain. And the best part? All CBDMD products are THC-free. That was important for me. Third-party tested and backed by a 60-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. Look, these are anxious times for many of us right now. We're not sleeping nearly as well. I tried CBDMD's award-winning CBD PM drops, and I now sleep through the night. My daughter loves CBDMD's Revive Moisturizing Lotion and the CBDMD Freeze Pain Roller for her aches and pains from playing sports. And our dog loves the CBDMD Soft Shoes. And because the products are all THC-free, CBDMD is safe for our family. Dozens of companies have sent me CBD product to try over the years, but none come close to the superior quality of CBDMD. Sleep better, relieve your aches and pains, give your pets treats that they will love. And to make it even easier to see what CBD can do for you, CBDMD is offering all of our listeners 25% off your order when you use the promo code SBR at checkout. Once again, go to cbdmd.com and use promo code SBR at checkout to save 25% on your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Again, cbdmd.com, use the promo code SBR at checkout and save 25%. Thank me later. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. So we live in a copycat world, and I see, you know, ESPN's rushing out a Lance Armstrong doc, a Bruce Lee doc, and then the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa doc about the home run chase of, I believe it was 1998. Do you think that this documentary, Last Dance, is going to be like the the holy grail that everyone chases now, and we're going to see a bunch of documentaries get greenlit that might not have been greenlit before? No, I, I think that this was happening already. I mean, the, the, the uh, market for sports documentaries, especially with all the streaming services, has, has just gone through the roof. And ESPN had already commissioned well before uh, the, the Last Dance, the Lance Armstrong documentary, the Sammy Sosa documentary, uh, Mark McGuire documentary. Uh, so, so I think all that you're seeing right now is you're seeing some networks like ESPN trying to hurry this up. And because uh, uh, there is a window of time right now where there are no live sports. And, and if you are able to uh, launch a program or a sport or whatever that that uh, th- that is popular, it's going to get more viewers over the next few months until sport sports get ramped back up and, and start to launch again. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, I thought the last dance was just so well done. And isn't it amazing that. You know, Adam Silver and NBA Entertainment 
and the Bulls had the foresight back then to know, like, this is a special season. We're going to get some of this footage. Frankly, I love the footage of, like, Michael Jordan with his security guards. You know, the real behind-the-scenes stuff, that the stories that we didn't know about. You know, Carl Malone going on to the bus after they lost in the finals and congratulating the team. Just some of those rare moments. Larry Bird and Michael Jordan with that exchange in the last episode. Those were the moments to me that really stood out. Yeah, Brian, let's do a, a quick what if. What if Indiana won that game seven? Wow. Would it have resonated as much? Would, would, would all of that footage have been, been thrown away just about? What, what do you think happens there? Yeah, I, I don't think it resonates nearly as much. Um, you know, and it doesn't have that kind of fairy tale last shot of his Chicago Bulls career ending. You don't have, you know, everyone celebrating at the end. It kind of just lands with a, a thud. So, but I did think, you know, if you go back earlier in the doc, when the Bulls lost to Orlando in the playoffs, when Jordan came back from baseball, you know, it kind of showed you the scene where, you know, Tim Grover says to him, hey, call me in the future when you want to get together this summer. And he says, let's meet tomorrow after the day after they lost to Orlando. It really kind of gave a glimpse. So I agree with you. I don't think it has the same resonance if they lost to Indiana, but I still think there was a lot of you know, really good nuggets of footage there. Yeah, and, and you and I, I think, are pretty similar in age. We're in the, the same uh, sort of demo there. Right. And th- those those mid ninety games, are, they're so retro. And they were, it, for, for me, it was just fun to to sit. And I, like I actually agreed with Ken Burns's uh, criticisms. I mean, it, it wasn't like a, a newsy documentary. It, it was hardly a warts and all documentary. And but but. For me, it was just like they told a good story that I, I and it took me back. I, I remember most of those games. There was a lot that I surprised that I didn't remember. Uh, I did. I didn't remember, for example, Dennis Rodman going to Vegas. Can right. You imagine. <laughs> I was like, how did I not remember that? Uh, but I, I, it was it was just kind of like a really nice walk down memory lane. I'm I'm a little upset that it's over. Well, it was really special for me. I don't even know if you know this about me, but I used to work for the Portland Trailblazers. So, you know, I always tell people my first month and a half on the job beats anyone else's month and a half on the job ever. So I get to Portland and, you know, the Blazers had just beaten the Utah Jazz in the Western Conference Finals and they go play the Bulls in the 1992 Finals. So I get on a plane and go to Chicago and I'm at the Michael Jordan Shrug game, you know, and and at those NBA Finals games. Then the Blazers lose to the Bulls. We come back to Portland. The NBA draft is held in Portland for the first time ever outside of New York. It's the Shaquille O'Neal draft, so I work that draft. Then, a week and a half, two weeks later, Dream Team 1 comes to Portland for the basketball tournament of the Americas. So I was around Dream Team 1 and Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and all of those guys and saw the practices and was behind the scenes. And, I mean, if anyone has a better first month and a half on the job than that, I want to hear who you are because I – you know, all these years later, that month and a half really made an imprint on on my career and certainly my memory. So, do you have a story from the, the when the dream team lost to those college kids? Wasn't that important too? No, that was like I think it was in Spain. I they did it somewhere. It, it was before they came to Portland. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I guess that really fired them up. I'll give you two quick stories. One, um, I think it was the first game in Portland and Charles Barkley got cut in the head. So, you know, he's kind of got a gash on his head. Well, he goes in the locker room after the game and Pat Ewing and Larry Bird somehow had found a bowling ball 
and they put a bowling ball with a band-aid on it in his locker when he when he comes back to his locker. So that that was really funny. And then, you know, I tell people all the time, I was a fly on the wall. I watched probably the greatest games of horse ever played because Chris Mullen and John Stockton and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and these guys would stick around after practice and play horse. And you just watch those games of horse and it reminds me of the Jordan Larry Bird commercial for McDonald's where, you know, they're doing things off the freeway and off the pillars and stuff like that. It was just an amazing team. That's why when anyone tries to compare a team to that team, they won by an average of 44 points a game. So they were just dominant. Yeah. You could tell they were winning in the warmups. I got to say that the horse, the, my, Big disappointment of, uh, of the pandemic is that ESPN wasn't able to figure out how to do horse in a way that, because I remember watching, I, I didn't see what you saw, but I remember watching Pistol Pete. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, do, do these shots and people would be like, what is he doing? And I, I could, it was just such a watchable program back in the, uh, late seventies that, uh, that I, I was hoping that ESPN could recreate in some sort of way. Yeah, I agree. It looked like it was shot on the moon. You know, it was just everyone had a different setup, which, by the way, you know, you haven't been on since this happened, but it makes what the NFL draft pulled off even more impressive. So Peter O'Reilly came on with me a few weeks ago and, you know, he really orchestrated a lot of that for the NFL. And, you know, he said they had like 600 remote cameras out between GMs, coaches, prospects, broadcasters, and that looked crystal clear. It looked studio quality, but the horse, it, it looked like they were on the moon. Yeah, that NFL draft was a technical marvel. I, I, I was watching it, just waiting for the, the glitches to happen. And the glitches, I mean, you can nitpick here and there, but the glitches just never happened. I, I think that that was a, 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 what I'm looking forward to is a year from now, what they're going to take away from that. Because, and I can, I can, Pretty much guarantee you they're going to, you know, they they look at Nashville when they had, I think it was like, you know, 200, 300,000 people crowded, crowding in for, for the NFL draft. They still like to have that. But I can guarantee you for like the second round draft picks or for the late first round draft picks, they're going to have cameras in, in those in those homes. And, and, uh, and you're going to see a lot more access along those lines because I think that they really liked it. I think the, the fans really liked it. And it, it was a, it was just a marvel. I think. No, I agree. And I think the WNBA draft was the same way. It was, it was great, you know, seeing inside of Sabrina's home and, and just the, you know, the reaction from the families up close. So, all right. Last time you were on, we talked about media rights agreements and we talked about how the leagues, at least at that time, really had the leverage and especially the NFL. Well, now, John, you know, a lot of games are being missed. Make goods are going to have to take place at some point. Has the leverage kind of gone back to the TV networks now with these leagues? No, in fact, the, the leverage has uh, gone uh, even more so with the NFL and and with uh, with, with baseball. I mean, I, I did uh, – this was about a month and a half ago. I just was looking at the market caps of Viacom, CBS, and Disney, and I was like, well, you know, they, they don't do – these deals to lose money so certainly seeing like the, the pandemic taking such a big hit a big hit out of their stock price and out of uh, their, their market capitalization is like well certainly that's going to hurt the price that they're going to go to market with to try to get the, the nfl but what's happened on the other end of that is that you know the cord cutting has accelerated and and you can tell just from the the, the jordan dock and um 
and and the NASCAR ratings and PGA ratings. People are like the, the live sports are the one. It's a one thing that's holding the whole pay TV system together. Hmm. It's not just live sports. It's all live entertainment. And the NFL knows that it's the biggest and most powerful uh, league that's out there. I think where the leverage might have shifted is for some of these smaller sports leagues where, you know, the, the NFL is going to command so much more money. What would say like a conference USA command? You know, it's taking, cause the NFL and the MLB and when it comes up in a couple of years, you know, the, the NBA, they're going to take so much money out of the market and, and there's not going to be a lot left for a lot of the smaller leagues, but the, the big leagues uh, increase their leverage by far. Well, and if you're someone like Major League Soccer right now, you, their TV deal was coming up and, you know, this is when they were going to start negotiating. How does it impact a league like theirs? Well, that, that, that'll be interesting to see because I, I think Major League Soccer is sort of on the cusp right there. It's not a great TV sport. Uh, a lot of their rights are, t- are tied into the U.S. men's national team, uh, w- w- which is helpful, but it's, uh, and, Fox and ESPN already were paying a, a pretty penny for it, so it's a uh, th- th- that that to me is sort of a bellwether that I'm th- that I'm looking at. If you talk to Major League Soccer folks, they think that the uh, you know they're going to tell you that they're going to get a big raise, and if you talk to the uh, uh, network folks, you know they, they, they're not as optimistic about that. So it's a uh, th- that that will be the the bellwether to take a look at. If some of these leagues come back. You know, maybe not NFL, NBA, but like Major League Soccer, even Major League Baseball. Is it the TV money they're chasing? Are they saying, hey, we, we, we're not going to get the money from fans and attendance. We at least need to secure the TV money. Do you think that's what they're ultimately chasing? Uh, it, it, possibly, but I also think that, you know, let, let's take baseball as an, as an example. They're going to lose money when they come back. Uh, Everybody sort of, everybody acknowledges that. Um, I think even the players acknowledge like, that, that, uh, that the owners are going to lose some money on this season. Uh, and there still is a window in time, right? Right now it's just at NASCAR and the PGA Tour. What if all of a sudden we had some, you know, baseball games that people could watch and that's the only sport that's out there other than, uh, other than a NASCAR race and then and, and maybe PGA on, on, on the weekends. I think that there's a window where uh, if a sport can get out there and start playing uh, on a somewhat regular basis, that they can start to uh, collect casual fans. And I mean, if you're baseball, you just want to you want to start to bring back, bring in new fans, uh, reach out to old fans that may may have dropped away, and, and cater to your hardcore fan uh, fan base that's out there. So I think that there's a lot more than just dollars and cents that that are that are flowing into this. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned a couple minutes ago uh, the cord cutting, and I'm seeing it as well. I'm also seeing the growth of streaming. So, you know, some people who had been on the fence about that, you look at the numbers. Disney Plus is up to 54 million subscribers now. Netflix added 15 million subscribers in March. People are jumping on the, the streaming train, maybe not – you know, enough to make it bigger than pay TV and cable TV and satellite TV. But I'm seeing a lot of people starting to cut that cord. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, but the pro- the problem is for these streamers. So if you're Amazon, how are you going to be able to afford, uh, well, they can afford anything because they have deep pockets, but how are you going to be able to make a profit off of a sports league's rights? Uh, because, uh, 
all you can do if you're Amazon is pretty much sell advertising against it, or maybe you can get some merchandise sales through it. But right now, there's that they haven't really released it, but the number of Prime subscribers, they're not really going to increase the number of Prime subscribers substantially because it's already pretty saturated, I think, in the in the U.S. market uh, for for broadcast networks and for ESPN. They uh, they sell advertising around these sports, but they also get all the cable operators and the satellite operators to pay them a, a huge amount, which allows them to 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 pay for these sports rights. So they have the the, the, the dual revenue streams that really work for, that that really work for them that these digital companies or streamers don't have. And so that's that's the that's been the there just isn't a business case right now. For the streamers to, to, to jump in yet, if they develop that, then it's going to be uh, then it's going to be different. Aren't a lot of the cable companies going back to ESPN saying, "Hey, there's no meaningful live sports on, so we want our money back"? Uh, n- none, none that matter. I, 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 that, that's been a, a hot topic on uh, in the press and certainly on my Twitter feed. But uh, of the biggest. Um, uh, cable operators, they, they have a contract. They know that they need ESPN, and they know that when ESPN comes back, it's going to be the glue that, that pretty pretty much holds a lot of uh, a, a lot of their subscribers uh, from cutting the cord. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Nearly 20 years ago, Boingo dreamed of a world where people could connect to the wireless internet anywhere with any device. Today, that dream is reality, and Boingo has been at the forefront. Now more than ever, staying connected is what matters most. Boingo keeps people connected to the people and things they love with next-generation networks built for the 5G era. They are the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., and they work with sports teams across the NFL, NBA, MLS, NCAA, and more. From 5G and CBRS to DAS and Wi-Fi, Boingo is a trusted partner for staying connected now and in the future. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Connectivity is more important than ever, and you can learn more by visiting boingo.com or emailing sbradio at boingo.com. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right, let's wrap with this, uh, and we talked about this when you were on in early March, the Olympics. So now they have officially been postponed until next year. Unbelievable, right? Right. And, and you know, I'm not talking to that many media executives, but I'm talking to some Olympic athletes, and they're still trying to wrap their mind around even being together next year in, in 2021 because you're bringing people from all over the world, you know, to one – Olympic Village, and it seems like if there's not a really good vaccine in place, it just seems like a, a bad idea. So, you know, I don't think it's completely out of the realm that they get postponed even beyond 2021. What's NBC doing right now? The uh, you know, Brian, I have uh, I have two kids in college, and we're, we're we're towards the end of May, and we have no idea whether or not they're going to go on campus this fall right. or not. And the reason I bring that up is that there are so many unknowns and there's so many questions about uh, about whether or not we're going to get a second uh, you know spike of the virus this fall, whether or not we're going to have a vaccine or or, or something people can can take if they, if they contract it. Uh, you know when those will be available, uh, when 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 they'll be available in a mass in a mass way. 
I mean, we can't answer those questions in the United States, much less like in, in different countries around the world. So right. I think that right now, NBC is a, there, there's a date set. You know, they, they moved it basically by 365 days. NBC is operating off that date, which is all you can do, and they're hoping for the best. And everybody's eyes are open, and uh, and they're trying, you know, they're trying to be flexible where they need to be. But I, I would suggest that, that it's not a certainty that uh, um, uh, I, I wouldn't say that. I, w- w- what I would say is the, the idea of Olympics with fans, or even like the Olympic Village. I, I just don't know. I don't know what they will be able to do. Uh, to, to move forward if there is no vaccine. Say, and, and nobody knows when that's going to come. In the short term, though, this summer, when we know the games will not be taking place. Oh, I and, you meant 2020. No, 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 no. no I, I think it was two pronged question. So you answered, you know, kind of the far out, you know, question for, for next year. But for this summer, you know, it, it's such a big part of the Today Show and all of their different platforms. How do they fill that programming? This summer, because they know for sure it's gone. Yeah, and and the hard part is is you fill it this summer with uh, with live sports that, that that are just playing in, in in the United States, but they're not playing, right? So right. They, they're right now in the exact same boat that you know NBC Sports Network has been in for the past uh, sort of two and a half months. Like, what can you do? To I mean, I, I'm sure you I'm sure there's going to be some you know, Olympic programming that they're going to get up, like, you know, scenes or highlights or things like that. But, you know, they, they they will get – NBC Universal is a big company with a huge library, and there's there's a ton of replacement programming that isn't going to read nearly as well or draw in the audiences nearly as much as Olympic programming. But they, they have they have so much content that, that they're, they're not going to have a problem um, of filling those hours. Can they? Do they have the rights to go back and show like ABC? You know, nineteen seventy six Montreal Sugar Ray Leonard. Can they show that, or can they only show NBC coverage that they've done in the past? Uh, you know, I I don't know who holds, holds the rights to that. If the USOC holds the rights to that, then that's a pretty easy negotiation that that, that they can uh, that they'll be able to get. But uh, if it's IOC, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure who. who who would hold those rights? But I would love to see Sugar Ray in uh, in '76. Yeah, that one stood out to me. Before I let you go, any other stories that you're paying attention to right now that that we haven't discussed? I, uh, you know, the two main stories that, that that I'm looking at. One are the the rights deals. They're still up. They're still negotiating. The NFL is a big one, uh, and they're trying to get that done by the end of the year. Uh, baseball is also out there, and they've started talking on that. And the other story that I can't write enough of is how are these networks going to produce games with no fans in the stands? Mm. Viewers at home are going to have a completely different experience to how they watch these games. And it's, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I just think that, that there are a lot of different, they're, they're, they're going to make a lot of decisions that are going to have a carry on effect to when, when, uh, when COVID's in our rearview mirror. You know, uh, some of these decisions and some of these uh, technologies are going to become permanent. John Oran, he does a great job covering sports media for the Sports Business Journal. Subscribe to the Sports Business Journal or follow John on Twitter at Oran, O-U-R-A-N-D underscore S-B-J. John, stay safe. Thank you for taking the time. I always enjoy our conversations. Yeah, thanks for the ask. Uh, Good to talk to you, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. If you're working from home now like I am, you still need to look professional. 
Many of us are doing Zoom conferences or FaceTime calls with business associates. That's why I turn to my mizzen and main dress shirts. I need to look good from the waist up, but I also want to be comfortable. Mizzen and main is like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for comfort while working from home. It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head on over to MizzenAndMain.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenAndMain.com code SBR. Guess what? Mizzen and Main also make super comfortable wrinkle-free pants and shorts, so you can check those out as well. Head on over to MizzenAndMain.com. Use promo code SBR to get $10 off your next purchase. That's MizzenAndMain.com, code SBR. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com.